1: Hey girls, welcome back to my podcast. Welcome back to the Celibacy Talk series. This is the third episode of the Celibacy Talk series. I'm so excited. If you don't know, I was celibate for 2 years. Most of my followers do know that, but if you are new to my podcast or to my myself, my social media channel in general, my social media channels, my YouTube, my Instagram, my TikTok, my i think that's it my podcast i tweet i like have twitter but i'm not a huge twitter person so you know if you're new to my social media channels then i have been celibate for two years or i was celibate for two years and then i got into an amazing relationship i have a two-year celibacy breakdown video on my youtube i also have a new youtube video that just came out i'm going to put it as the first link in my description right here in the little bio below If you love me, if you care about me, if you like my channel, if you like what I say, if you like my posts, if you like my TikTok, if you like my podcast, go watch my YouTube video right now. I'm going to dedicate my 2023 to YouTube, so go subscribe to my channel right now and go watch my November Video Diary video. And yeah, so that is my little intro. And without further ado, let's go into our celibacy talks episode today. And I kind of want to start out with how to not shame yourself for breaking celibacy and getting back on track. And it's something that I talk to my clients about a lot. I talk about the aspect and the real part of healing that is radical self-love. And a lot of times self-love is made out on social media to be wearing you know, nice clothes and taking a bath and taking care of your nails. And, you know, that can be part of it. But the real self-love is built by the way that you engage with yourself. How radically safe that you feel with yourself is going to determine how much you actually feel your own self-love and how much of a safe haven you are to yourself. Now, for me, I define self-love as beginning to become a safe haven for your own self. And that, to me, creates an environment where you can actually feel your own love. And, you know, the universe is the creator, God, whatever you want to say, the universe is love. And that is self-love. And so with celibacy, Celibacy is not a stick to beat yourself with. Celibacy is not a way to hide your perfectionism and your feelings of unworthiness and your constantly ridiculing yourself and your feelings of feeling ashamed. Celibacy is a space where you can radically reclaim yourself, where you can do the deep inner work, when you can finally connect with yourself, where you can really slow down and find out who you are outside of the male gaze, outside of male validation, outside of even friendships that are not really fulfilling, really finding out who you are individually as a sovereign individual. And the most important part of this is it's not a rigid, horrible, stick-beating, shaming space. If you make a mistake when you're celibate, that's okay. That's okay. You're a human being. That's okay. The next day, just continue on with your celibacy journey. Figure out what happened. Figure out why you, you know, went into a situation that didn't serve you. And when I say a mistake, I'm assuming that it's not something that you want to continue, right? So if it's not a mistake and you go into a great relationship, well then, you know, congratulations. But if you make a mistake, as in you go, and you hook up with someone that doesn't really respect you or that you don't really respect or someone that doesn't really make your heart feel safe. Or you go back into old wounds. Or you go back into old patterns or you get in another shitty relationship. That's okay. That's okay. Do not, do not shame yourself. Don't shame yourself. Don't hate yourself because of that. Just radically love that version of you and that experience not necessarily the experience. You don't have to love the experience, but you have to love the version of you that chose that experience. If the experience was traumatic, you don't have to love the experience. You just have to love yourself choosing that. So let's say you 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 know went and hooked up with someone and had sex with someone and they treated you like shit. You don't have to love being treated like shit, but you have to love the version of you that was wounded enough that she chose to go be treated like shit. That version of you deserves love because she's the version of you that's confused and scared and, you know, doesn't really know what to do and still acting from her wounds. And that's okay. So if you break your celibacy, you're not alone. Many people do. And you're not wrong either. You're just a human being who's learning and trying your best. So just take the next best step. Take it as learning information. You don't have to, you know, if you're two years into your celibacy journey and you make one mistake, you can still be two years in. Okay, now you go another year. You're three years in. It's a journey. Of course, if you're having sex every day, you know, throughout the whole two years, then of course it's not a celibacy journey, you know. But if you're one time, two times, you make a mistake, that's okay. Well, you're allowed to make a mistake and even if you're having sex every day and you're trying to do a celibacy journey, that's okay. You can understand that hey, I'm trying. Maybe I'm I'm not, you know, some things aren't working here. Like how can I adjust without shaming myself? How can I set more boundaries? How can I remove myself from situations? How can I make the next right step without shaming myself? So If you broke your celibacy, that's okay. If you broke your celibacy for someone and it didn't feel good and it didn't feel right and it didn't feel safe, that's okay. You still deserve a situation that feels safe and right and fulfilling. So my advice for any women who have broken their celibacy is just to love yourself through that and to not shame yourself, and to get back up, and see where you made some mistakes, see where you faltered, see what wounds allowed you to get into those situations again, see where your wounds were activated, what was coming up, and what you can do differently next time, and that's it, and you love yourself through it, and you, and you take the next right step, and don't shame yourself, you're human, you're doing the best that you can, And yeah, I would just say don't shame yourself and just see where you, you know, where you can do better next time. But there's nothing wrong with breaking your celibacy and making a mistake and falling off and getting back up again. That's the beauty of the journey. So someone else asked me, and by the way, if you don't know, with this series, I ask questions on Instagram. What questions do you guys want to see about celibacy? What questions do you want me to answer? I asked them and then I answered them in this celibacy series. So another question that someone had asked me was, how am I celibate without watching porn? And if you guys know me, you know that I do not watch porn and I advocate for everyone to not watch porn and so for me, I'm still extremely sex positive. I'm still extremely sexual. And I really advocate for during your period of celibacy, really connecting with your own sexuality and learning what your sexuality is outside of performing for others. And so for me, I stopped watching porn while I was celibate. I never was a huge porn person. I never watched a lot of porn, but I did sometimes watch porn and I would feel really shitty afterwards. And I only ever started watching porn when I was about 20 years old. And when, you know, shortly after I just didn't It didn't feel aligned. It never felt aligned, but I did find myself having trouble stopping watching porn because it is so addictive, even though I still was so new to it. And I hadn't really ever been, you know, deeply enmeshed with porn. It wasn't a childhood thing that I had started when I was 12 or 13, which a lot of people do experience. And so for me, I realized like this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good. And I feel not only am I exploiting others, but I feel that I'm exploiting myself because I'm just outsourcing my sexual energy and I'm allowing these ideas and distortions to infiltrate my mind and my sexuality instead of just connecting to my authentic sexuality outside of porn. And so for me, what i did to stop watching porn was i set a boundary with myself and this is something that i think is really important is setting boundaries with yourself and really sticking to them and if you don't stick to them just trying to make that next right decision the next time and not shaming yourself for not sticking to it but really making and setting boundaries with yourself a lot of times we set boundaries with others and we're really hyper focusing on setting boundaries with others but in my opinion We really do need to set a lot of boundaries with our own selves. And so I set a boundary with myself that I was not going to watch porn anymore. And it was actually quite difficult. And I set that boundary with myself. And I did falter a couple times, but I did end up sticking to that. And as a result of that, I really was able to start learning my sexuality as it was authentic to me. And I felt that watching porn, you're completely outsourcing. Like you're looking at something else and then you're totally ignoring your own body. You're just completely being stimulated in your mind. And then you're using this outsourcing of stimulation from someone else that you don't know and these other people that have their totally own stories and their own trauma and their own pain. And you're just watching them and using them to get off and... That totally disconnects you from your own fantasies and desires and it infiltrates them, right? Like our fantasies then become morphed and enmeshed with what we're seeing in porn. And 99.9999% on porn, the fantasies and the things that we're seeing are deeply distorted and really wounded. And so then we become wounded in our own sexuality. And so when I started self-pleasuring without watching porn, I actually had to go through a period where I really identified my eroticized wounds, which I do have a podcast about that. So I'm going to link that in the description here. But I had to go through a period where I was really going through a, a real big kind of cleansing of these eroticized wounds and again I just had to set boundaries with myself I identified these eroticized wounds within me and I said I'm no longer going to feed these I'm not going to fantasize about them I'm not going to self-pleasure to them if they come up I can acknowledge them I'm not mad at them I'm not shaming myself I'm just saying I no longer want to Create this. I don't want to feed this. I don't want to be engaged with it. I don't want to birth it. I don't want to be involved with it anymore. I don't want to be involved with this fantasy or with this energy. I'm not mad at myself. I'm not wrong. I'm not ashamed. Um, There's nothing bad about me that this maybe turned me on. I just am no longer interested in engaging with that. And so these eroticized wounds that were still kind of left over, I then had to set boundaries with myself while also radically loving myself through that. And then I was able to cultivate really healthy fantasies that felt really like a full body yes. And I'm not gonna go too deep into that because I do do that in my coaching program, Um, but I really had to set these, these new foundations of fantasies that felt like a full body yes and felt fully authentic to me. And I feel like a lot of times we feel like our fantasies are actually just other people's or what we see on porn and not really our own. And so to really take time to cultivate my own sexuality and fantasies and what turned me on and what felt like a full body. Yes. And what felt not only stimulating sexually, but also like a full body. Yes. To my heart and also erotic at the same time. But I never felt like I was abandoning myself and I didn't feel disturbed after that felt really good. So I started actually connecting with my healthy sexuality. So long story short, how I am celibate or how I was celibate without watching porn was I fantasized and I created fantasies that felt like a full body. Yes. And felt deeply nourishing and felt erotic and nourishing and safe and good. And so that is how I went celibate without watching porn. Now, someone else asked if me and Jeremy remained celibate while we were in a relationship, and we did not. So I was not comfortable being sexual before we were dating. And then once we started dating, we were intimate a couple weeks in. Uh, A couple weeks into us dating, I would say like a week in, and then from there, we just started building and creating healthy sexuality together, and we've just been building since then, and it's been wonderful, so... He was actually celibate for two years before he met me. So it was kind of funny that we both had gone celibate at the same time without knowing one another. And we both had had these really kind of concurrent experiences and that felt really good. So we were both ready and we just wanted to both create this sexuality that we had never experienced before, but that we were both deeply craving. And so once we felt safe with one another, once we were officially boyfriend and girlfriend, and once we talked it through and figured out what we wanted to create and you know continually every day talk about these types of things we started being intimate and it's been a wonderful journey of just learning one another and deepening into our eroticism and deepening into our sexuality together and in the beginning there was a lot of building safety and that kind of goes in with another question which was how did you have sex and trust after celibacy and for me in my relationship, I felt like it was a lot of just creating safety after when we began to be intimate. And so we were both kind of especially for me. Like I really needed a lot of safety. And so there was a lot of communication because I had never experienced healthy sexuality in the face of someone else. I had only experienced healthy sexuality with myself. So in my 2 years of celibacy, I had created healthy sexuality with my own self, but I had never experienced that with a person, with someone else. And so I had to really have this kind of learning curve. And so did he, learning how to not perform in the face of someone else, learning all of these subtle ways that I would self abandon, the most minute and subtle and microscopic things that I would catch myself doing that were almost difficult to catch and I would catch myself doing these small things that were not truly honoring my truth and not really really fully authentic and raw and real which is what I wanted and so I had to identify all these little ways that I was self-abandoning while I was showing up sexually and really just kind of cultivating a lot of honesty with one another and kind of just creating this baseline. Like that's kind of how we were thinking of it when we were just in the beginning of dating. And for the first few months, we were just thinking of it as creating a baseline of healthy sexuality together. And we'd never created that before. Obviously we didn't know each other before. So we'd only experienced that with ourselves and we needed to create that together. So it did take time. But for me, I trusted my partner and part of Creating healthy sexuality is trusting yourself to choose the right partner and trusting yourself and your own intuition, and also trusting yourself to remove yourself from a situation if it doesn't feel safe. And that's like half of feeling safe in your sexuality is trusting yourself to set boundaries or to remove yourself. And so for me, I trusted myself and I also learned kind of the art of dating and also did a lot of trauma-informed work and also made a lot of mistakes as well. But overall, kept taking that messy action and after a while, created this healthy sexuality with my partner and it really was because I trusted myself to choose him and when I knew that he was you know I had vetted him and I knew he was the man for me I was able to open up but it was a process in and again the most important part is trusting yourself and choosing a good man who is interested in making you feel safe sexually and who doesn't violate your boundaries and who doesn't, you know, who isn't perverted and weird. (laughs) Um, A lot of these like man-child men are like really just like gross and they're really distorted in their sexuality and they're perverted and really... Wounded, and they want to project that on a lot of women. So, a man who has sexual discipline or who is interested in creating it, and I think that's important is that women have to understand that, you know, a lot of men have never heard these terms. So, it's important to choose a man who's interested in. I mean, at least if you're trying to create this kind of thing, it's emotion- It's important to choose a man who's interested in emotional intelligence and healing and this kind of thing so that you guys can create this together. Even if he's never heard of it, Is he interested in it? Do you have to force it on him? Which is a no, a big no-no. Definitely leave a man that you have to force anything like this on. Um, But if you don't and he's interested in it as well, even if he's never heard of it, but he's interested and willing to create it, that's a green flag. And so for me... Once I realized I you know, chose the right man and I was ready to date him, from that point on, I just had to kind of do the groundwork to open up. And there was moments where I just had to breathe and open myself up to him sexually. I just had to breathe into my own self and remind myself that I'm safe and really move through a lot of triggers and trauma that was coming up. And there was moments where... I would just cry, or I would just, you know, feel unsafe, and I would just express that. And I would just be radically honest and real with him. And because he was interested in creating this with me, he was able to meet me in such a vulnerable and real and raw way that would make my nervous system feel safe and trusting. And so after continual experience of feeling that I met in my uncertainty or in my feelings of fear being scared with reassurance and love and safety I was able to relax into our sexuality and into our intimacy and a lot of that also has to do with the work that you do on your own and the work that I do on my own because you really cannot Meet someone sexually, emotionally, in any type of way, you cannot meet someone deeper than you've met yourself. So, if you've never experienced safe sexuality with yourself, it's going to be really hard to create with another person. So, because I had that baseline of what it looked like with myself, I had a reference point and a desire to create it with a partner because I knew what it looked like. I'd experienced it with myself. And so, really the work that I would do on my own to open up my Yoni mapping and these types of things that I would do to open up and feel safe in my body and, and kind of release any tension and tightness that would really help me feel safe to be in sexuality with my partner. And to be honest, I feel like so much of sexuality in partnership is so fake. Like, I feel like 90% of people are walking around and they've never experienced authentic sexuality. They've never experienced real, raw sexuality that's genuine. That's not a performance. Male, female, non-binary, no matter who it is, people are not experiencing real sexuality. They're just you know, regurgitating what they've seen on porn. They're regurgitating what they think is expected of them in that sexual experience. And I was tired. I did not want to experience that. And with my partner, it is like so real and raw. If I want to, you know, cry, I'll cry. And if I want to be a wild, erotic, sexual person, I will be that. And if I want to go into a more maiden archetype, I'll be that. And if I want to be super still or if I wanna be super movement, moving or whatever, I'll do that, but it's real. I don't, none of the noises I make, none of the sounds I make, none of the movements I take are fake and are taken because I feel like I have to do that or I have to put on a performance or that's what's expected of me or that's what looks good creating sexuality that's real and raw and authentic. I feel like we're starved of that as human beings, unfortunately. And the sexuality that I have now with my partner is so different. I feel even the thing, like my voice is real. It's not regurgitating this drama of what I think I'm supposed to say. It's not doing these eroticized wounds things that I think turn me on, but they're really just these, you know, pains that are, you know, uh, distorted into pleasure. There's none of that. There's none of that. It's just real. It's just genuine. And sometimes that looks like me, you know, um, saying something that's not sexy. Sometimes it looks like me saying something that's really unexpected. And and even for him, and I'm not gonna speak for him too much, but we've talked a lot about really connecting as a man with his own sexuality. And I'm not gonna speak for him, but men in general, I feel that men have a real difficulty actually connecting with their real sexuality. And I feel like in our society, we think that men have a connection to their, their sexuality, but they don't. They feel unworthy if they don't have sex or they feel like all of their worth is tied up into how they perform sexually or they see sex as a performance. They see sex as a performance to gain power or to gain validation or to gain worthiness. And it's not. And our sex and our sexuality and our society is so backwards. Why? Because the patriarchy. Because distorted men and wounded men took over and created a wounded society, unfortunately. But this is the reality is that men aren't balanced in their sexuality and neither are women. And we need to create that in our intimate relationships desperately or else we're going to be unfulfilled and unhappy. And... To me, what really felt so good sexually was knowing that all of me was welcome. That if I didn't feel sexy and I wanted to just cry or if I wanted to feel like, if I felt like I just, I don't know, if I wasn't comfortable or something, if I didn't want something or if I wanted something, I could express that in a loving way, of course. But all of me, my reactions we're welcome. My authentic reactions, my authenticity was welcomed. And I feel that in the patriarchy and in our society, authenticity from women is not supported. It's not welcome because we don't actually have any masculine men the balance of the masculine and the feminine. We do actually have quite a few masculine men, genuine masculine men, divine masculine men, but we have a lot of non-masculine men. And those are the men that are in power that we're seeing a lot of times. And these men, the balance of the masculine and the feminine is that the feminine gives authentic feedback and then the masculine takes that and does better. So he can lead better in his own life. The masculine and the feminine both lead in their own different ways, but the masculine takes the feedback of the feminine because the feminine feels so deeply. Now this can happen within a person. A man can take the feedback of his own feminine and then lead better in his own life. Or he can take the feedback of a woman, a feminine daughter. Dominant woman outside of him and then he can show up better. But this is the balance that is supposed to be in a balanced society, in a society that honors the masculine and the feminine, is that the feminine gives that feedback and the masculine understands it and then shows up better. It's like a computer. He calculates it and then does better next time, right? But in our society, what happens is that we have men that are so non-masculine that they don't actually want the feedback of the feminine. They don't want to do better. They're not interested in hearing the authentic reactions and feelings and experiences of the feminine. So all that they experience is, and all that they want is the feminine to be codependent, to shrink herself, to put on a performance, to not be authentic, to tell them what they want to hear so that it strokes their ego. Not, they don't want the authentic expression and that's how you can tell an immature and non-masculine man from a masculine and mature man. The mature man wants the authentic feedback of the feminine. But what I'm talking about when I say authentic reactions, I mean that if I want to express and yell or if I want to breathe out my mouth really loud or if I want to move or if I want to change or if I want to cry or if I want to, you know, um, get sad or if I want to get happier, if I want to get wild or if I want to get other ways, right? Like all of my spectrum of emotions are held in my sexual experiences with my partner. And that is really, really valuable. And that's what makes me feel so safe. And so, You know, of course, there's a time and a place. And of course, if you need to say no, that, you know, don't, you know, do that or that doesn't, you know, that hurts or something like that, of course, express that, of course. And that's something, you know, that's really important that women need to learn how to say and they need to practice saying that hurts. Please don't do that. Or just having, you know, just saying stop or something like that. And that's so important, so important. And I had to cultivate that actually in the beginning of my relationship. Um, in the very beginning, just learning how to speak up for myself. That was part of just building those, those foundations of safety. Me learning not only how to speak up with myself, but how to speak up in the face of someone else and say, wait, you know, can we do something else? Or that doesn't feel good. Or that hurts, you know, really like that hurts or something like that. Um, And once I've trusted myself to express that to my partner, because it's not about trusting him, it's about once I trusted myself to speak up for myself, which for so long I felt my voice had been taken away just simply by living in the patriarchy. I felt my voice had been taken away. And so once I really trusted myself to speak up for myself and say, no, that hurts or whatever, then there was just such a expansion where I just felt safe to express in all of these ways where... I, once I kind of checked myself and all these ways I was performing, my authenticity just came online after a while, after a few months of just really focusing on you know my safety and my boundaries and, and what felt good and what felt bad and what hurt and what didn't hurt and, and whatnot and how to express my boundaries and, and that kind of thing. But once I had cultivated that, there was just this real deep surrender into feeling like wow I can express anything here and it's met and that feels really good and that for me is why I feel so safe sexually with my partner is because I feel like I can actually be all of me you know and I I felt like I you know living in the patriarchy you think you always have to perform as a woman And being reassured that your authentic experience, even if it's not regurgitating what you see porn girls do, your authentic experience, that rawness, that rawness, that's not this regurgitated prim, pretty shit, your raw expression. Even if that's just, I don't want to move my hips. I just want to stay still. And I feel like I'm pressured to move my hips. Just staying still, that's my raw expression and that's welcome. I don't need to move my hips to please my partner. All of me is welcome. My authenticity is welcome. And so that's, I think, something that makes me feel so trusting and safe sexually with my partner is that my authenticity is welcome.